Welcome to a Healing Peace Podcast. My name is Kimir Baker. I am the CEO and founder of J Intel, a nonprofit organization that bridges the gap between faith-based and therapeutic resources. Being an overcomer, visionary, and God's creation, I empower women with their emotional wellness and intimacy with God to live abundantly. In this podcast series, we reveal that our wellness is not just physical health, but includes mental and spiritual health. True health and well-being include all three aspects. We transform our lives when we care for our mind, body, and spirit. Welcome back, ladies. I know if you were with us last week, oh, where we having a great conversation talking about our body image, God, and sexuality. And of course, we ran out of time because I like to talk and always make the people who come on my show talk. And so I asked Jennifer to come back so that I can pick her brain some more and kind of <laughs> dig a little bit in terms of some of the things that she shared the last time. So Jennifer, welcome back to the show. So good to be with you. All right. So for those who may just be joining us for the first time, can you reintroduce yourself so they get the opportunity to know who you are? Sure. I'm a Christian here in Southern California, San Diego specifically. I'm a therapist. I have a doctorate in psychology. I'm a marriage and family therapist. I have a, I'm a certified sex therapist and a certified chemical dependency counselor. So those are some of the areas I specialize in which overlaps quite a bit with the body and things like that. I have a beautiful family. I have four kids. They're all grown. It's weird. I have no more teenagers. I have four in their 20s. I get to teach a lot. I'm a speaker and a professor. I get to do podcasts like this. I have a couple books out. And you know what? I said to this last time, and I really genuinely mean it. My main thing, like when I teach or speak or write, is I just like to to or teach someone the Bible, I, I like to have the opportunity to just help people really understand the character of God, who he is, how he feels about us, mm. and to understand who Jesus is, how he feels about us, the the really deeply knowing God piece. So, yeah. That's, that's great. And one of the things that you shared, even the last time in terms of you like doing lectures and seminars and things of that yeah. nature. And so in the midst of some of those items or those classes that you've taken and getting feedback, has there been some commonality with people's responses to what you teach and share? Well, definitely. It's so interesting because you'd think that, because it's definitely been in all different parts of the world with a lot of different people from different cultures and different backgrounds, different ages, that one of the things that just true is that people have a negative view of their bodies and then mm. people have a negative view of sexuality and that negative views of the body creates a negative view of sexuality. I'd say the other big thing that's so common is that when people have shameful body comments made to them when mm. they're young, when they're an adult, whenever, it comes out in how they feel when they're engaged in having sex. Um, so body consciousness is actually a real issue, especially for women in the midst of um, engaging sexually, even with someone who 
is godly and really loves them and they're married to and it's great. What was really interesting is this has been across cultures. Like, mm. like even in the fittest countries, I was in Sweden and <laughs> I don't think I saw, I think I saw one obese person the whole week I was there. So it's a very fit country. Literally you pull up um, in Denmark to a stoplight and there would be like 50 bikes. So they're very fit conscious, right? Hmm. But when I spoke on body image there, it was, I came to speak on sexuality, mm-hmm. but my, the stuff I was teaching on body image was the number one thing they came up to ask questions about afterward. So body issues, gosh, it's across cultures from Texas to Sweden, to Singapore, to Africa, to Haiti, to Russia. I mean, all of those places in the last couple of years, there's this shame about the mm-hmm. body and shame about sexuality. It's not just a women thing, it's men and women, but And I'd say the other thing that's really common across wherever I've been is people haven't really explored God's view of sexuality. Mm -hmm. They don't really have a genuine understanding. They just think all the Bible says is wait to do it till you're married, you know, Mm -hmm. and there's so much more Mm -hmm. that the Bible says about sexuality. So I'd say each of those things is pretty common everywhere. And I think that's so amazing because what you revealed is our humanity. And what you revealed is the pressures that we place on ourselves, no matter where we are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and since you started, you started the conversation with talking about, we may not know how God views sexuality. Yeah. So why don't we dig a little bit deeper into that aspect? We've talked about the body for sure. But let's dig into, okay, because you said in the previous interview that God is sex positive. What does that it mean? Is. What does that mean? Yes. Yeah, that's such a good question. When I taught my first lesson on sex, which was about 15 years ago-ish, 16 years ago, I actually took a year to prepare for it because I was like, how do you teach? I didn't want to mess it up. Right. So I literally took that year to look up every single scripture on it. And then when I was in the middle of my doctorate, which was a research study on sex therapy, I did the same thing again. And it's true. Most of the scriptures are on what you shouldn't do on sexual sin, but God is so sex positive and we miss that. We tend to go God's way over here and sex is way over here. And those two, the book I first read was called um, Sex and the Supremacy of Christ. Mm. And when would you ever have something where you put the word sex and God in the same sentence or sex and Jesus in the same sentence, right? Yeah. But actually the words that God uses to describe sex, like Joseph and Mary and Adam and Eve, the word used to describe them having intercourse is the word genosko in the Greek and yada in the Hebrew, which means to know him. Uh, Well, no, excuse me. It means to know. It's the same word that Jesus says, I know the father and the father knows me in John 10. And I know the sheep and the sheep know my voice. So the word that's used to describe, I mentioned this in our last one, a deep knowing. So Jesus and God, how well do they know each other? Obviously really well. That's as far as erotic having sex with someone, that's how God intends sex to be when two people are having sex. When in all actuality, when I teach to singles audiences, I tell them, hey, in case you're wondering, our married folks within our congregations, they're not experiencing sex that way. (laughs) It's not deeply, intimately connected. 
when I do a survey before I do a workshop within our, the fellowship I'm a part of, 60% of the couples are, that sexuality is not going well in their marriage. Mm. So this isn't just about people who are single or married or in, it's God intends, his intention is that, that when two people who are married have sex, it should be this deeply intimate knowing thing. But often it's not. It gets all kinds of different things affected. I do think also we don't know that the Bible teaches all kinds of really cool words about sex. Like, again, this is erotic sexuality. It says that it's like flowing waters, that it's fiery, mm. that it creates this feeling of intoxication. This yeah. is in Proverbs 5 and Song of Solomon 4. So the Bible is very, when it's talking about sexuality between two people when it's not sexual sin it's god's very sex positive and i think sometimes we have to kind of reclaim a biblical understanding okay so like when i teach uh, singles audiences i ask them who here has read song of solomon and mm -hmm. i usually get a really small percentage of people who raise their hand and so i'm like go read song of solomon you're mm -hmm. watching all these tv shows and all these movies go read God's picture mm. of how sensuality and sexuality is supposed to be. It's really erotic and beautiful and enjoyable. God created sex, but he also created our bodies to enjoy. And we were so afraid of debauchery, which is a sin, overindulgence of the body, that we don't embrace enjoyment. God actually teaches us that we're supposed to enjoy our bodies, and that we're also supposed to, in the right relationship, enjoy sex. So I think we have to reclaim God's positive view of enjoyment, not just positive view of sexuality, but mm. also positive view of enjoyment. And, and that's actually kind of profound, just going back a little bit to how you described that level of intimacy was really about yeah. knowing and that deeper knowing. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, and if you think of it that way, you're right. It removes just so many layers of, I think for me, trauma, to be honest. And, oh, and I, yeah. I, I say that because if I'm thinking about this other person in the context of I'm just getting to know them more and deeper and, and, and the benefit of that knowing is that we create mm -hmm. this beautiful experience. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a lot less pressure than, okay, yes. I got to look this way. And, you know, I, if, if they touch me this way, it may be, you know, it, it does. It removes some of that tension that we've created with God allowing us to have pleasure. Yes. But like one of the things I usually have to work, I think most of your audience, most of your audience women or is it mixture? It's mostly women. Yes. So women especially need to reclaim enjoyment and sensuality i tell women with their married they often aren't enjoying sex but it's also because they aren't enjoying their bodies and so mm -hmm. i tell them you know you have to kind of practice it if i live in san diego so when's the last time you went to the beach and felt the sand between your toes when's mm -hmm. the last time you felt the breeze against your skin When's the last time you jumped into a river? Okay, it's like January right now, so it's a little cold. But mm -hmm. where you felt the water against your skin, even when you take a shower, let alone in a river, in a lake, in an ocean, 
when's the last time you stood on a mountainside or a hillside and looked at something beautiful and took in all the colors? Like when's the last time you ate your favorite dessert and just noticed how good it tasted and all of the things that your, you know, your mouth tells you as you eat it. So enjoyment is actually sometimes a learning thing, a relearning thing. Yeah. And the, the way that you just described that, it's kind of interesting because I would have never looked at those things to do, walking in the beach, jumping yeah. in the lake. I wouldn't necessarily associate that to being sensual. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Because I was like, there's, there's no touchy feeling anywhere of another person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's many ways to really, I call it embodied living living richly in the body that God's given us where Mm. we're really allowing ourselves like, you know, when you were a kid and maybe what was the physical thing you loved the most going on a bike ride, jumping Mm. on a trampoline, whatever memory you have as a kid of doing something physical and the smile you get when Mm. you remember doing it. I, I remember I was a senior in high school and I was at a graduation party and I'd never really except for during gym class, been on a trampoline. And I, I jumped on that person's trampoline. I don't know for how long, but like forever. And so those moments of this is so fun. Like (laughs) we need to go explore what that is right now. That will actually help guide even our sexual choices and help us steward our sexual choices in life. When we make sure that we're living fully and richly in the body that God's given us. And that is actually, again, profound. I say that because when I I think about, and you've touched base on it before, I think in the last interview, in Mm -hmm. terms of how restrictive our personality is, or you may even said it here, uh, or this interview in the sense of, oh, I don't want to be a glutton. I I don't want to overindulge because Mm -hmm. if, if, if I spend this time thinking of me, what I like for this long, then of course I'm in sin because I'm not thinking about someone else. Did you know that a Healing Peace podcast has a website? You will find resources along with our very own tools and tips on our website. Our tools and tips provide tangible principles to keep you on your emotional healing and wellness journeys. While you are on our website, sign up for our newsletter. You will receive a free emotional wellness assessment just for signing up. Also, you will stay informed about podcast episodes, courses, and workshops. You will receive all this great information just for signing up for our newsletter. Go to ahealingpeace.com today. I'm yeah. kind of wondering, is, is there like anything that we can kind of help work through? Because I know for me, there's a, when I hear new information, it takes me time to process it, of course. But it also yeah. takes me time to be able to say it's okay to take on this new information. So Mm -hmm. how can we start unraveling that, that false sense of restraint to the point that I'm no longer enjoying my life? Like, how can we start, I think, pulling off some of those layers to get to this place of purity with God and purity with ourselves and know that he's not mad at us because we wanted to enjoy ourselves for the day? You know, I do think there's a a relearning of, I would actually, for some listening, just go study the scriptures on enjoyment, go study John uh, 10, 10, where he says, 
you know, have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That God intends for us to enjoy. If you look at how the Bible teaches about how we're supposed to interact with food, the word enjoyment is used over and over. Paul says that the false restrictions of the body have no value for restraining indulgence. Mm -hmm. So what we do, because we don't want to indulge and give into sexual sin or overeating or is we restrict. And it actually, what it says is that you're supposed, there's this really funny scripture that says that if you're struggling with discipline in your life, then, you know, sing Psalms and hymns. Well, my undergraduate degree is in music theater. So I always joke with people, I should be really thin because I love to sing. (laughs) Um, The reality is learning new ways of channeling our enjoyment so that it Mm. doesn't end up in debauchery. It doesn't end up in doing pornography and sexual sin. It doesn't end up in not stewarding our bodies or our sexuality correctly, but learning that God intends us to still enjoy our bodies, not be ashamed of our bodies. I do think it starts, gosh, I think it starts in the family that, Mm. you know, like when it comes to sexuality, you have family members that, or parents that don't Mm. call the body parts, what they should be called, you know, (laughs) they, the wee wee and the wah wah instead of a penis and a vagina. So I think it comes with, we shame the body. We shame sexuality from early years. And mm-hmm. so we kind of have to, I keep using the word I'm noticing in both your podcasts, the yeah. word reclaim, yeah. but there's a yeah. reclaiming that has to happen. Yeah. But I, I do appreciate you stating that and reiterating that terminology yeah. because yeah. It, when you say it in that context as well, it's like, hey, w- this is an opportunity for us to take ownership of yeah who we are created to be and take ownership that there's a life of enjoyment in the process of embracing how we were created to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, so. yeah. And the, and the other thing that you said, cause I was, I have wrote this down cause you said in the last interview, when you're talking about body parts and, yes. and, and how we talk about the body parts can also lead to shame because mm-hmm. <laughs> I still have a hard time saying vagina and pee. You know, <laughs> whisper it. And yes. it's actually, the word that you might want to use is vulva. That's the whole area. Yeah, can you walk us through a little bit more in terms of the power of our words and, and how that uh, is associated again to our body image, our sexuality? and Right. I think the first thing is that we do have to, yeah, the power of words, reclaim the beauty of the body overall and the beauty of our sexual parts. Mm -hmm. The body is made by God and the sexual parts of our body are made by God. Our, our elbows and our eyes and our nose hairs and our tongue and our big toe and our kneecaps, they're all made by God and they're amazing how they work. Mm -hmm. But so is the vulva. When somebody looks at something or thinks a sexual thought or a picture passes through their brain and then blood flow comes to the vulva and starts kind of that throbbing tingling feeling that's a system created by god and it's an amazing system it works so how about the next time our body gets a little bit aroused obviously if we're intentionally getting it there by watching pornography or masturbating that's one mm-hmm. thing but what about when it just happens 
how about we go, wow, what a good job God did in making my body. And it's a good thing to know it works. It's an automatic system of the body that God created. And wow, isn't that cool? So I do think there's a reclaiming of just the amazing job God did in making the body. Yeah. And I will have to be honest. I have never thought of it that way. I usually am like, (laughs) oh my gosh, I'm so sick and tired of trying to keep this thing under control. Right. Instead of saying, God, you did a good job. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's a whole new teaching. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Yeah. Well, and the reason why that's really important is then that negative response mm-hmm. to the body mm-hmm. makes us think negatively about sex mm-hmm. and makes us think negatively about our bodies, mm-hmm. which it, when people are then married, they can become still feel all that shame mm. about sex it makes so women often when they're married will will make it well sex is just for him. right and i so when i when i give input at like a bridal shower and they you know sometimes people will have me come to a bridal shower just so i can give input right. which i think is so funny <laughs> but one of the things i commonly say is prioritize your own enjoyment women who are married and are supposed to be in, you know, they're supposed to isn't a good word, but they're engaging sexually with their partners often aren't enjoying sex because our culture says that's a guy Mm. thing. And so prioritizing enjoyment for a married woman is often problematic because they didn't prioritize enjoyment about the walk they had on the beach, Mm. the special dessert they enjoyed eating, Mm. you know, and so Women in general have to relearn enjoyment overall in order to then when they are in a relationship where they are engaging sexually, they can enjoy sexuality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that's, again, I do appreciate how you connect those dots with sensuality, enjoyment to, again, body image, sexuality, all that stuff correlates. And it's kind of like a they feed off of each other. They do very much so. Yeah. I know for me, when I heard you speak in Dallas, I was really blown away because A, it's not very often I hear these types of conversations within the Christian context, again, yeah. because of the the God rules that we've created, that's probably not even his rules to an extent. And so again, even with our last interview, you know, I asked, mm-hmm. how do we get back to a place of feeding mm-hmm. that God perspective, how do we get back to a place of feeding that positive God image when it comes to sexuality as well? There, there's a certain bit of seeing sexuality as God intends us to see mm-hmm. it. The only view we often have is TV and movies. And so that's why I tell people, go read Song of Solomon so that you can see that this is God's intention. It's very positive. but even that when we have parts of our bodies that respond sexually, let's say we're not married, we're not engaging sexually, and our body still responds sexually, that piece of noticing when our body responds, and we accept it as God given. And we say, thank you, God, for making my body and that it works. And that it's beautiful. Remember, fearfully and wonderfully made. And then we can turn towards our belief systems and our values and make a choice what to do with that body 
that's based on what we believe. So we're not shaming ourselves for our God-given natural response to something, but we're instead embracing it and accepting it and understanding it. And then we're turning towards our values and saying, I might choose not to indulge my sexuality right now by masturbating or going and watching something pornographic or reading something or fantasizing. I'm not going to do that. But you know what I am going to do? I'm going to go, and this kind of overlaps into the talk we did last time. I'm going to go m- live richly in the body and give it. Mm. I'm going to go on a beautiful hike. I'm going to go get a really good smelling lotion and spread it all over. <laughs> My newest favorite is grapefruit. So I just... I love to put it on and just smell it richly. I'm going to go turn on my favorite music and dance. Mm. So, you know, I'm going to, or I'm going to call a friend and encourage them, or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to live out my values in how I use my body and in how I interact with people. Mm -hmm. But that follows that living out your values follows the most important part, which is accepting that this is the body God made and look how well it works. And being amazed by that. Yeah. And I'm actually glad that you shared all these elements because as you were sharing them, one of the things that popped in my mind is that these are actually good tools and methods so that when we are feeling, like I say, in heat. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Arousal. Yeah. Like, darn that thing. (laughs) But that you provided some good methods to value that we're created this way, but still having the godly values of how do I shepherd this in the a method I shepherd Yeah, it. in the, a method mm-hmm. that is pleasing to God as well. Mm-hmm. So the body is made by God and God calls us to use our bodies in a way that brings him honor. Mm-hmm. So whether someone's married or single, mm-hmm. how do we steward our bodies in a way that brings honor to God. And often what happens is people respond like if they're having a hard time with, you know, they want to pursue a life where they maintain their sexual integrity. Mm-hmm. And there's the word we commonly use is purity. It's just been, it is a beautiful word in the Bible. It's just been gosh, kind of messed up by what we would call the purity culture, but our sexual integrity, how do we maintain it? How do we steward it? I do think sometimes we tend to be reactive. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, so when I fantasized and masturbated and did pornography, then I do something like I confess it or I, I, I do this or that. So I don't do it again. But how about we come up with a plan ahead of time? (laughs) Cause often people are so used to associating, pursuing a sexual response when they get tense or bored or wake up in the middle of the night. So how about we put together a really healthy fun, enjoyable plan. I had a young man who told me, we put together a plan as a part of doing therapy together. And he said, well, I'm going to exercise. And I said, okay. So he actually put his exercise clothes right next to the bed Mm. so that when he would wake up, especially early, Mm -hmm. he'd have them right there and he'd put them Mm -hmm. on and he'd go and exercise rather than lounging in bed. So that's one very simple way to do an action plan. Like when you have a stressful day at work and you might be more prone to pursuing something sexually when that's not how you actually, it doesn't, it doesn't match your values. Well, then what are you going to do the next time you feel stressed? Mm. 
I had another individual who got an email from their school right in the middle of the day and they immediately felt stressed and then immediately turned to pornography. Mm. And it's just because we get used to those patterns. Mm -hmm. We get in a rut of using those patterns over and Mm -hmm. over. So how about we come up with a plan the next time something stressful happens? We're not just going to wait until you feel the sexual pull. Mm -hmm. Let's deal with anxiety. Mm -hmm. Let's deal with boredom. Let's deal with sleeping problems. Mm -hmm. Let's have a plan, an action plan for each of those things so that you can live out your values, Mm -hmm. so that you can live out, I want to honor God with how I use my body. And what you shared is so, so, so important because what you've done is you've identified other areas that's not necessarily sexual that triggers yeah. that sexual impulse. Yeah, huge. Yeah. And I'm like, how many times have I been stressed? And you're like, oh, and, the, and you got to deal with the stress and you got to deal with the, the body response to that stress. But mm-hmm. being able to associate, okay, well, let me do something to work through my anxiety, mm-hmm. work through my mm-hmm. strength, work through not sleeping so mm-hmm. that it doesn't lead mm-hmm. to X, Y, and Z. Oh yeah. People use, and again, I'm not even saying just single people, single and married people have gotten so used to using sexuality as their anxiety. Uh. film. <laughs> and how about we learn some other ways to deal with their anxiety. We've been going down this path over and over and over and over and over again. That when I feel anxious, I go down this path mm. to f- pursue something sexually. I probably need to create new paths so that I'm not using sex mm. to be my anxiety medication. Mm. And that again, profound. And I think to, as you were sharing that, it's amazing because that's our response to things, but not necessarily what God intended. Like his perspective yeah. is still positive. His perspective yeah. is still you know, this is a gift to you and it's up to, well, I want to be cautious of how I use my words, but there's a a shared responsibility, so to speak, to maintain Mm -hmm. that positive perspective that he wants for us and not allow these experiences to dictate what he created. God created our bodies and he paid for our bodies with the blood of Jesus. So how do we live out our lives in response to the fact that he bought us? How do we live out our lives within our bodies to glorify him and to bring him praise and to still be amazed by how well God made our bodies when we have a sexual response that you can actually hold both of those things to be true at the same time. Yeah. And, and again, I really enjoyed our conversation because you've taken away the weirdness of it. (laughs) Good. (laughs) Right. Like it doesn't have to be weird. It's like, no, that's part of that creation. And so I could talk to you forever to be honest. (laughs) But but I'm looking at the time and I definitely see that we have come to that time so quickly once again. And and so before we leave, I I definitely wanted to give you an opportunity. If there was any 
thing that you wanted to share in addition to what you've shared so far, like a takeaway, as well as again, mm. telling individuals how to get a hold of your resources. Because as you can tell listeners, she's good at what she does. And, and so be a great opportunity for you guys to continue to learn from the research that she's done to help foster a healthy perspective of God, our body image and sexuality. Well, you know, sure. As far as my own resources, you can actually, uh, on my website, The Art of Intimate Marriage, so it's all one thing, theartofintimatemarriage.com. Although it is called The Art of Intimate Marriage, it's also got a whole slew on for singles as well on sexuality. So I've got about 50 podcasts that anybody can listen to. And so there's that, the ransomedjourney.com, ransomedjourney.com is my website on addiction mm. that has, and also the book, The Ransom Journey just came out a month or so ago. All of my books, The Redeemed Sexuality. So Redeemed Sexuality is for singles campus teens and parents and sexuality. So parents teaching their kids, singles who are older, younger, any age, that's Redeemed Sexuality. That's on Amazon and also on IPI, Illumination Publishers. And then uh, the art of intimate marriage for married couples. So those are my those are my resources. Well, they again, it's been a treat having you on the show, and it's been a treat allowing the information that you've researched and the things that God's put in your brain to be able to share it with us. Because again, you, you've definitely shifted my perspective in terms of God, my body image, and sexuality. So I, I really I can't say it enough. Thank you for your time today. Well, it has been so wonderful being with you. I appreciate it. All right, you guys. Thank you for checking us out this week. Hill Peace Podcast. I want you to enjoy your week. And of course, next week is our infamous tools and tips show. We're going to try to get all this great information to 10 wonderful things that you can do in your everyday to make this practical. So again, enjoy your week. See you next time.